Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden, and you're listening to Queer Stories. Next up, Cadence Bell is a writer and filmmaker. Her new documentary film, The Rainbow Passage, a co-production with Screen Australia, airs this year on Channel 10. The film, which Katie also directed, follows her and her fiancé Amanda across a year in their gender transitions. Katie loves Pokemon Go, short walks to the fridge and the swell challenges of girlifying. Except not having pockets anymore, she really misses pockets. This story was first performed at Mudgee Readers Festival and I just adored it, so I also booked Katie to perform at Giant Dwarf in Sydney. Talk is smallest with somebody that you don't respect. That day in my beat-up blue Elantra, the talk was especially small. We discussed very little as we wound through the rolling valleys about an hour outside of Mudgee. Riding with me was a friend of my brother. He was a strange, wonky-eyed kid in perma hoodie. But he'd promised me a hookup of the best weed west of Sydney. (laughs) Turn right here, he said. We drove across a cattle grid and into a farm. At the gate was a metalwork sculpture. It was festooned with engine parts, motorbike chains, and stuff from the tummy of cars. I don't know what the sculpture represented, but it seemed pretty angry, kind of like a constipated Valkyrie. (laughs) (coughs) (coughs) I breathed in as my left calf muscle cramped. You all right? Yeah. After driving a long way from the main road across jittery corrugated dirt, we arrived at what I came to learn only in that moment was a bikey clubhouse. (laughs) It was a regular old weatherboard house with plenty of sheds surrounding it, but it was adorned with vintage signs for oil, beer, cigarettes. A veranda awning had pillars, paper macheed from old porno mags with what I hoped was glue. A bunch of scary dudes came and went and they drank beer by fire pits. You should wait here, he said. I got out of the car. Shit, dude, do you know who these guys are? Hey, hey, hey. I limped off to the clubhouse. At the time, I was a more than 200 kilogram man with a beard as fierce as any of the motorheads there. The pain in my leg was searing. My calf muscle had more than doubled in size. I knew what it was and I was feeding it. Inside the sitting room, I guess you could call it, was a guy with a massive grey beard. He was patting a chilled tabby cat with his left hand, resting a shotgun across his knee with his right. The room was thick with 15 different kinds of smoke. Fingers of light stretched through bullet holes in the covered windows. My travelling companion was standing close by the doorway, looking very, very small. What do you fellas want? I'd like to buy some marijuana, please. (laughs) The guy with the the cat and the shotgun laughed, looked me up and down and nodded. Yeah, all right. How much do you want? 
The guy, no longer with the cat, but still with the shotgun, went to a blue 44-gallon drum out back by a tree. It was filled with sealed vacuum bags of weed. And not just any weed. This was passion fruit haze. The stuff was legendary. He took a bag out, cut it open, and grabbed a massive fistful of cannabis in his gorilla paw. He rested it on the scales. They were the heavy old sliding kind, like I'd used in high school. He adjusted the knobs in the counterweights. He weighed out much more than I'd asked for, which I appreciated. <laughs> and I saw cat hair resting upon the green and purple fibres of my pot. <laughs> you should get that looked at, he said, pointing the shotgun at my inflamed leg. On the way back to the car, my companion asked with a sheepish grin, seeing as he gave you a little extra, what do you reckon, a finder's fee? I gave him a little bit. Six months later, I work on the stairs. I was displaced and confused. I'd passed out, collapsed in a heap. My mum was standing over me. She was worried and she was frantic. Ben, Ben, are you okay? Ben, Ben. It was hard to breathe. Yeah, I'm fine. I lied. I took my shorts and my undies off and I exposed my enormous red swollen leg to the radiologist. She asked me to lay down on the tiny bed and smothered my leg in a warm goop. She began filling up my calf with an ultrasound probe. She put a hand on my shoulder and she leaned over me, tapped my leg to indicate for me to raise it as she pushed the probe towards my groin. Now, I can't resist filling vacuums of awkwardness with humour. <laughs> and in that moment, with a stranger stroking a goopy solution down near my boy junk, things were especially awkward so, I filled the vacuum. <laughs> Every night in my dreams, I see you, I feel you. Lit in the dull hue of an ultrasound monitor, the probe squished into the shadow of my groin. That is how I know you. Go on. The radiologist cracked up, and before long, we were both singing. <laughs> I lay on the bed in the emergency department. Mum, a veteran aged care nurse, had disappeared to offer assistance to shift nurses who very much hadn't asked for it. <laughs> the green cloth screen pulled back and the doctor appeared before me. He explained that the clots in my legs were DVTs, deep vein thrombosis, that there were multiple of them, possibly the worst he'd ever seen and certainly the longest. The clots had broken off and gone into my lungs, which is why I was struggling to breathe, which is why I'd passed out. You're lucky, he said. I'd say you're about a week, maybe two, from having a brain stroke or dying. A week? I said, damn it. <laughs> he straightened his gaze upon me, his doctory eyes fixed on mine. He was watching me closely for every subtlety in my reaction. You do want to live, right? I looked away from him and I thought about the question for a very long time. Yes, I do. Another six months passed. It was Christmas Eve. 
and I was travelling to Lithgow with my good friend Jason. The talk that day wasn't small. It ranged from politics to polyamory to Pink Floyd and back again. My leg was healing. It would forever remain oversized with scar tissue, but after hundreds of injections of Clexane, the clots had dissolved. As we pulled into Lithgow, the weather abruptly changed. It became gloomy with low-hanging clouds. For anybody that doesn't know it, Lithgow is, is a town that has its own ecosystem. <laughs> My grandfather used to say that Lithgow was born to be a cold town because God forgot to heat the fucking place. <laughs> we stopped at a weatherboard terrace house in the main drag and picked up a friend of Jace's. His name was Everett and I just, I couldn't stand him. He had this greasy moppy hair and a laugh like a leper's goat. Every month he had a new obsession. Last month it was wrestling. This month he was converting to Islam. He guided us to the outskirts of the town and we took a sharp left up steep road towards tall craggy mountains. Between the thick dark trees the mountain held enormous shards of great dividing stone with the odd splinter tarnished black from bleeding shale. We drove up to a small farmhouse where two boys were kicking footballs to one another outside. Furiously painting the wall of the house in a crimson red was an erratic middle-aged man. Terry's all right, Everett began, but he's a bit of a speedhead, just so you know. <laughs> Jason and I exchanged worried glances. We got out of the car and approached him. Terry didn't slow down his painting frenzy. His wrists were crimson from thrusting them into the paint can at speed. There were dozens of differently coloured cans of spent paint nearby. Teza, Everett said. May the light of the prophet shine upon you. Hey, do you still have a hookup for a bit of ganj for my, for my friends here? Without hesitation, Terry just walked away from the farmhouse. One moment he was painting a house, the next moment he was off and he was rambling about the mission, the new mission. He was still holding the paintbrush as he climbed over a white paling fence and just disappeared off into the horizon. <laughs> He'll be back, Everett said. Yeah, Dad does that, one of the boys said. He's painted the house like 50 times this week. <laughs> Do you want to play some footy? The cloud cover broke above the farm's valley as we kicked the slightly deflated football between ourselves and the kids. High up in the mountains, enormous slabs of stone bounced golden light back down upon us. It created illuminated ripples as gentle winds licked the loosened fields. The boys unloaded information about themselves who their favourite footballers were, and which of their teachers had given them the best grades before school holidays. By sunset, we knew what their favourite soft drinks were, lollies, the names of their best friends, and that their cat Ginny was missing. But he'd be all right, he always turns up. The older boy took Everett and Jace off to show them an ashtray he'd made for his dad. I was left plucking grass by an old set of tractor tyres with the younger boy. What do you want for Christmas tomorrow? I asked him. I don't know. I'll see if Dad remembers. But he said he'd get us a quad bike one day. Is that what you want? Yeah, maybe. It struck me that we were probably the first adults who'd paid any attention to these kids in days, and they seemed to adore the opportunity. And then out tumbled something as surprising as it was profound. Sometimes I wish I was born a girl, he said. I froze, I skipped a breath, the rhythm of my beating heart became irregular. I could feel the hot, thinned blood squelching in my ears. 
The topic was taboo for me because talking about gender meant confronting my own. And that was something that I kept buried down deep, deep under thick layers of self-loathing and marijuana haze. <laughs> it's probably dumb, isn't it? Sorry. No, I said. I smiled nervously. I reckon that's all right. Yeah? Yeah. He cocked his head and lifted his skinny arms up, his palms facing the dying light. He did this little twirl and then jumped onto the edge of a fallen tractor tire. He had a gentle balance as he walked around its rim, his arms outstretched. Well, I guess that's what I'd want for Christmas. Me too, I said softly. What's that? Nothing. You want to kick the footy some more before it gets dark? He grinned. We wandered off together down a dusty track, kicking the saggy football ochre as it pierced the veil of the dying light. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Follow Queer Stories on Facebook for event updates and me, Maeve Marsden, on Twitter. 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 Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.